0: Welcome to another episode. With me today is Scott Hammer from Striven. Welcome, Scott.
1: Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me.
0: So um, I know you're the uh, sales and marketing director there, but if you could tell uh, our listeners a little bit about your journey, uh, that would help them get a context for the conversation we're about to have.
1: Sure. Um, Unlike maybe a lot of other people in my space, I I didn't start in technology. I started in education. So first 12 years of my career, I taught high school, uh, taught English. Which was really fun um it, I really enjoyed it I was good at it uh, and uh, it, it it taught me I think, everything I know about being a professional you know, how to manage other people, how to work with really diverse groups of people, how to get great work out of other people uh, and and though it was a really was really passionate about that career, I thought about it and came to a, a a place where I said I'm either gonna do this for thirty more years or i'm gonna See if I can do something else, and the the idea of trying something new, of challenging myself uh, in another way, not teaching the same book for the thirteenth year in a row or thirtieth year in a row, uh, w- was really interesting to me. So my father had a, a PR and advertising agency, and so I'd always been a bit adjacent to that world. So I started a, a new career, uh, did a had built my pro- portfolio in the last year of teaching. Uh, I was working with a lot of different companies, writing copy, you know, working as a kind of adjunct to marketing agencies and things like that, seeing if I liked it, and I did. So I uh, applied for a job at, at my current company, Miles IT, and uh, started writing copy for about three months. After that time, position opened uh, for a product division that they had that hadn't been launched yet, uh, Called now it's called Striven, it wasn't called that back then. But uh, I took uh, that position, and uh, my original title was marketing manager. We had nothing yet, right? No real marketing collateral, um, no full sense of who our target was. Uh, the product itself is an ERP. We had built it to run our own business, uh, and and that was the original intent. And it still does run our own business, but. We had this inflection point of well, this product is mature, and other businesses can benefit from it. So, where do we go from here, and how do we go about bringing this product to market? So that was my uh, my first challenge, and that's that was about four years ago at this point. So that uh, kind of grown in the marketing realm. Um, at first, I was doing for the first year. I say I was doing pretty much everything by myself uh, with with a little bit of help. And I started hiring people uh, as we started to grow, and um, we had I think one salesperson when we started, and then we built up to to three, and then five, and now as it stands, we have I think about ten salespeople um, and about five people on the marketing team and a partnership program as well that that I oversee. So it's uh, it's been four years of pretty steady and really interesting growth, both, you know, in my own career and in the product itself.
0: So, uh, the, the, the journey sounds sort of epic and legendary, right? It's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that the teaching informs kind of what you're doing and how you're managing, but one of the things that's really, I think, interesting, um, out of the gate is the kind of green field that you had uh, to work with when it came to figuring out your place in the market, so how did you um I'm interested in the early days of those conversations where you know you try and get out there and maybe it was you know not as successful the first couple of times. What were the learnings what was
1: that like so understanding our um how how we put money into things, I think, is important. Um, we're a privately held company. So, you know, we, we don't have external stakeholders. Um, we don't raise, you know, rounds of funding like a lot of other uh like like a lot of our competitors not all of them but but some of them and i think that's pretty typical in tech you know you have a new product let's throw just a bunch of money into it hire a ton of people you know just throw everything at the wall see what sticks and then cut back from there um ours is is really different it was a a really um organic process i'd say so so my first challenge was understanding where to spend money and where not to spend money, you know when you look into sponsorships, you look into paid advertising, you look into things like Google and paid search, you look at um other uh other kind of companies like Gartner who have you know paper lead programs um how much do you put into that and um and and when right because we had a product that had a, a very small user base at the time, so we had the ability to create some case studies, uh, just a, a, f- a few bona, f- bona fides, right? But we uh, really had to to build that stuff up first. So um, I'd say a lot of it was learning to ignore a lot of the you know quote unquote opportunities that came my way because there are a million people out there who want you to pay you know ten thousand dollars to sponsor their you know sponsor a banner on their website or you know to participate in market research that maybe people are going to read and maybe they're not you know and and at first when you're starting you know, everything seems like an opportunity and it, and it is it's just that is it is it uh, is it worthwhile so i think i took a very you know progressive and, and very discretionary approach to you know where we were going to spend money while on the back end really trying to build up our assets um to be a product that you know people didn't just use in theory, but that people actually used. You know, obviously our own company was a great case study because we did have great success, both in terms of, you know, um, in in time saving and in, in ROI and all of that stuff. But um we had to really go beyond that and uh and draw on the success of our early adopters and uh that that was something that I, that I really did while trying to build up our social media profiles just create awareness right it can cost a lot of money to create awareness but uh you can also if if you find the right groups to align yourself with you can create awareness without necessarily having to spend a lot but it takes time and you have to be willing to understand that, you know, with with, with kind of lower growth social, with SEO, with all of that stuff, you're not going to see those results right away. Um, and I had to properly set the expectations for my team that, you know, if my budget is small, here's what I think I can do with that budget. Um, if you're talking about something like Google advertising, um, yeah, you're going to if you if you're working with a small budget you're going to see a small return on a small budget so you're going to play kind of hand to hand combat with your original leads that come in um and and really you know early days we were just trying to prove the product and make sure that you know we go wow someone's interested in this that's cool that doesn't mean it's the right fit how do we know whether it's the right fit you know how do we how do we go about that so uh, in terms of Kind of marketing and how we spread our awareness that was one consideration the second was very much the fit in in trying to understand you know, who is this product for and and maybe more importantly who is this product not for
0: so that that leads me to like a a really i think um, uh probably a rich conversation that I'd like to get some insight from you on and that is the the Understanding that you're coming from a dog fooded essentially solution where you built this for your business, uh, or or you know, the, the business built it for themselves. Now you're trying to go to market with that. Um, how often did you find that the messaging alignment that you guys were using internally about the product versus how you approached the market was out of sync? And what did you do to kind of reconcile that, right? Very often, and, and at least in my experience, I can say, well, you know, I think that that our solution is great for x, y, and Z. Well, when you do your market research or you go out and you start doing any meaningful you know discovery, they go, no, no, your value is in you know a, B, and C. How do you reconcile those disconnects? and and, and you know that has to inform the product dev team at some point
1: as well, right? It does. Um I think one of the things that I've done well is always kept. One foot inside of the the product and its use within our company, and one foot outside. I, I think a lot of people, you know, on not only in early days, especially um, on the on the dev team, and you know, within within the division itself, were very much two feet in and, and seeing it from the perspective of our company and seeing the evolution. I mean, it, when I got there four years ago, we'd already been. Five years into the development of this product, and the focus had, had always been on our company. So when I came in, I started looking outside, you know, and looking at the market and looking at, you know, less like, well, what, what is the reflection of this product now for our company and how can that translate outside of our company and more toward, well, what can this be? Based on what it is now and 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 how can it fit into the market? So I'll give you an example. I mean, we are a service-based company. So um, we're a, you know, we're we're an MSP, you know, full, full service, you know, B2B technology company. So we do uh not just manage services, but we do um custom software, we have web and marketing services. You know, we can act as a one-stop shop for businesses who are looking to improve their uh their their technology resources uh who are looking to grow who are looking for responsive uh, great service i mean it's something that we do really well uh so we can And at the same time, you know, we have employees who are going out in the field. You know, we have that kind of professional component, but we also have the field service component where we've got people, you know, on their phones who need to do work and need to, you know, close out or update a a ticket or or something like that. So we knew that we were really great project-based and service-based ERP that has resonance in the market for sure. Um, but what you learn really quickly and when you when you look at industries and when you look at verticals is that no two businesses within the same industry or vertical do things the same way. um, and so you know our the way we run as an i t company is. Different than the next person, the next IT company down the street, and that's a, because of our size. It's because of our age, you know, as a company for you know almost 27 years, and how we've built our own processes. Uh, it's it's there's so many factors. You know, it's because of our leadership philosophy and our, our company policies and our belief system. You know, there's just so many things that make us different. Um, that that make every company different and unique. So you have to when you're looking at the marketplace, you know, you analyze what the needs of the marketplace are, where where they are now, um, where you think they're going, Um, and you have to influence uh, development, you have to influence, uh, you have to get everybody on the same page. And I think that is very much the the marketer's job to say, this is is what we should be, these are our needs, Um, these are our opportunities. Um, You know? we we are, are are remain focused on on the use of this product for our own company but uh if we want to grow and if we want to have you know uh, more customers coming on and make people happy then we also have to pay attention to what's happening uh, outside there and uh that was uh certainly a challenge because it it represents a complete mentality shift, you know, especially from, you know, our product owner, who's the CEO of of our company and has, I, I think, you know, great vision for, for what he wants the product to be. Um, but also cares very much about how our own, you know, the health of our own company within the product. Now it's, 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 it's a challenge. And honestly, aside from all that, it's, it's, what I think keeps us honest, I mean, as users of this product, you know we it needs to be excellent. I mean, it needs to be excellent to 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 not just run our business, but you know to be able to reflect uh, the capability for other people to run their business on it, and that is the promise of the thing, but um it it, it really you know you have to you have to do that balance but then you also have to make sure that there's uh, enough alignment as well it's challenging for sure
0: right i mean and and playing the bridge there it's interesting right because you have there's two bridges in the in the product space right there's the bridge to your current customers and the bridge to your potential customers right and so you represent essentially the future of the product and the current customers represent, you know, the the lifetime value and that kind of stuff. So it's a really interesting kind of um, uh, place where you have to sit to kind of manage all of that stuff. As, as you've done that, um, I think one of the things that um, would be really useful for our listeners is to help understand uh, essentially what makes the product that you're selling hard to market. Like what is the... What is the thing that um, really is the challenge in your in your marketing sort of process for what you're doing?
1: Great question. um for us, it's the it's the size and it's the fact that we are at heart an industry agnostic product. So you know in which direction, do you go you know that starts in development you know if you if you serve you know manufacturing and supply chain but you also service let's say like field industry you know people who do service and repairs things like that and you also service your your kind of professional services um you know CPA firms, consulting groups, nonprofits, you know government agencies, things like that. I mean, I'm describing like almost every business there is. And so, you know, which which direction do you develop the product in? And then, you know, how do you market? How do you how do you how do you spend your resources going after those verticals? I mean, there there are days that I I I wake up and I look at, you know, your lawn care software and I'm like wow sometimes I just really wish that we did that and we did one thing and I knew everything there is to know about how to you know properly serve the lawn care industry and that's all I did all day is to is to just make this an absolute best in class product um so the challenge is balancing the the verticals and making sure that we can serve those verticals well and and help those businesses fulfill what their goals are which are you know growth uh you know uh in in terms of in terms of revenue um Growing their customer base, uh, efficiency, you know, cutting down costs in terms of you know uh, time wasted on processes, uh, getting that like single version of the truth that an ERP uh, can actually deliver on. So, you know, making sure that 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 message. And the functionality and the project product side resonates with the different industries that we play in. That's really hard, you know. So so it comes from, from a marketing standpoint. Well, if we're doing blogs on our website, who are those blogs for? Well, are we writing to about specific industries? Or are we keeping things more kind of like higher level? Um, and, and I think you know, this this is what I've learned. One is that despite everything I just said about a landscaping software, for example. Um, We have those businesses coming to us, and they say, well, we use the top product in the market for landscaping software, and it doesn't fulfill our needs. Because it does one thing or a couple things really well, but again, they've developed these unique processes that take them outside the bounds of what the the kind of software that they're on right now. I need something to help me grow, which is another way of saying, I need a kind of customized solution. And that's where we come in because we're able, based on the the size and versatility of our product, we're able to customize things for people to uh, to help them realize the kind of process that they want that that's in their head but that doesn't exist in the kind of more traditional industry software that they're in um so so we have actually a great opportunity in in doing that and uh, and the second thing then is that I think functionality is sometimes more important than industry. I mean, you you have to show that you can serve an industry. And, and I, what I mean by that is you can't just show it on your website. You can't just say it. You have to have customers that have had proven success in your industry. And you have to show that you have the ability to be a game changer. In our case, it's about customization. It's about opportunity for, for growth and scale and things like like that um but if you can do that then i mean you can you can win in, in a lot of different places um and that's you know so that's what makes it hard to to market is is just the the scope and the range of of what we're able to do and again it's it's a great it, it's a great benefit it's a great gift to have this product that can do so much but it becomes a great challenge then to 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 understand which direction to look in how how high level to keep your content marketing um how specific to go and when you need to go specific and uh, making decisions about that is 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 constantly shifting um based on you know, where interest is and you know what's happening with our product roadmap and and all of that stuff. So maybe that was too vague. I don't know, but that's, it, that is well, the challenge. It, it, it
0: tracks, right. It tracks to the product. So when, when it comes to like that kind of uh, the, the product has got such a, such a broad range Um You know, how are you then also I mean, I guess that makes it much more complicated to identify the layers of your funnel and where somebody is in that conversation, where they are in that buying decision decision making process. So so maybe it will help our listeners. How long is your typical acquisition cycle
1: uh, from initial contact
0: to, to deal?
1: it's about on average I'd say like three to six months and with everything in between I mean it's it's rare that we're gonna speak to a, a, a prospect and we're going to close them within a week because of you know what we're talking about now the 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 range of the product, kind of filters into how many people use the product, how many different divisions, right? And ERP is meant to be used by a lot of different divisions because all of that data gets housed in one place. So you've got, you know, your your accounting team using it, your sales team using it, your projects team using it, your HR people using it. I mean, all of that is possible within our, our product. So you think about what that looks like in a buying conversation. You know, who the first point of contact may be c f o it may be uh the you know uh office manager, it may be the business owner, it may be none of those people and uh ultimately to use our product well and to understand it well uh you need buy in from all of the different stakeholders within a business, you know sometimes not all but uh but often many. And uh, with some uh, businesses we deal with, you know, we're talking about boards as well. You know, we've got an owner on board, but they need to present it to, to their board first and make sure that that's going to, you know, pass and they're going to understand, you know, we deal with, uh, with nonprofits, with educational institutions sometimes, and then it becomes even more complicated because it's, you know, they're dealing with funding resources and how they get allocated. So and all of those things can, you know, delay uh, a, bu- a buying process. And we just go through, you know, our, our, our business analysts go through so many different rounds of conversation. And demos, and you know, you're demoing it to one group of people, and then you're demoing it to a different group, and you're answering completely different questions. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, yeah, it can it can really extend the cycle. Um, and, and then just from you know, people coming into us, you know, like you suggested, you know, sometimes we have people in different stages. You know, I'm considering an ERP. Well, again, that's not something I'm going to buy tomorrow. And we'll get people who will submit RFPs to us and say. You know, we're looking at two years from now, but here's the 2000 question RFP. If you guys could just like fill this out and get it back to us, <laughs> then we'll like see if you're, if you make the first of 10 yeah. rounds, you know, it's that kind of thing. Um, But then, you know, we have some great lead sources where we have, you know, a lot of the feedback I've been given as a, as the sales director and the marketing director is that a lot of people who come to us are. Ready to buy. You know, they're serious about change because this is the way some businesses work. They needed it yesterday. One factor may be that the current software they're on is being sunset, you know, and, and they maybe waited a little bit too long. And now it's like, wow, we really need to get on something new. Sometimes it's um that their current software has just, you know, done a major price increase for the third time this year and they feel that they're not able to you know operate on that software for for what the functionality is and sometimes it's you know i'm just i'm fed up with the support i get yeah. at at my current you know with my current software and um i just you know again i needed to make a change yesterday so they come to us and if we can do um you know a fit Quickly enough, efficiently enough. I mean, they're they're ready to go, and so you know, with with only I'd say about three years on the market in earnest, we've been able to grow pretty steadily because of how responsive we are. You know, there's there's two two elements in that dance, right? One is the 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 prospect and what their buying cycle is, but the second factor there is. You know, your your internal team. How quickly can you move? How efficiently can you move someone from a consideration stage to a Wow, I'm super excited about your product. And and that you know requires some real professionalism on on our end. And just I guess what goes beyond professionalism is just care you have to care you have to want people to succeed with your product and you have to believe that they can because they don't believe that they can until you show it to them uh and, and then they will and and that's what i think has helped us uh, it's what it's what's helped us close at least narrow the kind of timeline in in what could be just an extremely long buying cycle
0: yeah absolutely well, Scott, as we start to wrap up here today, I want to ask you um, uh, some important questions. Uh, very first, um, uh, who should be reaching out to you and how should they get a hold of you? Who's a good fit for, for the kind of folks you want to talk to, channel partners, that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, I mean, we have kind of two types of partnerships. Um, one is a um, a reseller partnership. Uh, and and that's something that we're very excited to, to build out. So, you know, a lot of technology consultants, CPA firms, um, IT companies, people in the position to recommend ERPs, accounting software, and things like that uh, should definitely get in touch because we're always working with them and we have great relationships with those partners where we... Um, where we you know we offer uh you know, revenue share and things like that from from subscriptions it's it's really competitive um compared to a lot of our competitors who offer these kinds of partner programs and the second type of program that we offer is um a uh uh, basically, it's an integration partnership. So there are lots of products out there that integrate with ERPs. You know, they do industry specialized things like whether it's like um, production scheduling or takeoff in construction or estimating things like that. Um, we are always interested in building out our ecosystem, um, and and anyone you know can get in touch with me as uh, just uh, my email is s hammer like the tool h a m m e r at striven, and uh, I, I love to hear from people who are interested in working with us and building out a kind of shared ecosystem.
0: Awesome. And then the the last question of the day is in your travels, I'm sure you've picked up some major lessons uh, in the marketing space. What are the three top, top three things that come to mind uh, in your journey that
1: you can share with our listeners? Number one, don't chase shiny objects. There are a lot of shiny objects out there and um, it's, it's, wise to consider, you know, if something seems like a good idea, and if you're a passionate and excited person, everything's going to seem like a good idea at first, wait two weeks before bringing it to anyone else, especially your leadership. And if it seems like a good idea after two weeks, then go ahead and bring it. But but wait that amount of time because you don't want to die on a hill that you don't really believe in, uh, but seemed exciting at the time. So that's that's number one. Um number two, pay attention to data um and, and numbers, but know when to but know how to analyze. I mean it's it's you know, from a uh just a revenue standpoint, you know, being able to to look at what's coming in and what the sources are and um and funneling that down to your marketing, you know, what is where are your where are your sales coming from? It's all about alignment and to see that stuff. And you'll you'll uncover some opportunities there. But um at the same time, just be very don't don't, you know, produce data for data's sake, because outside of context, it it really means absolutely nothing, but it can mean everything if you if you know what you're looking at, and you know, you know how to look at it. I think number three is um just Continue to do what you're passionate about and make sure that your passions align with not only the product or service that you're working on, uh, but with the the company that you're in. You know, make sure that that you're happy um, and that you're waking up and saying, yeah, I want to, I want to do this. I'm, I'm excited about this because I think if, if you're not, you know, there's always something else out there, but, uh, I've been very fortunate in, in being able to do something that, you know, so that has supported my career growth, but that's allowed me to kind of give that back and, and, and help grow a, a product pretty significantly. So it's, it's been great. Um, but that's what I got. Those are my top three.
0: Thank you, Scott. so much for your time today. I really appreciate your uh, participation on the show. Um, I can't wait to get this episode out and uh, in front of the folks. So uh, again, if you have questions for Scott, please reach out by email uh, and Scott, I definitely want to hear um in the next you know couple of months uh, what you've learned. you know, additional lessons
1: that come up along the way. Good. Yeah, thank you so much, Brian. It's been a great conversation.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Consulting Trap. If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at brian at podcastchef.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at P-O-D-C-I-S-T-C-H-E-F dot com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef podcast chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our podcasting done for you service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30 day money back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level.